Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Um, I'd like to welcome you all to this uh, session of the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. I'd like to remind everyone at this point in time to please turn off your cell phones or at least put them on vibrate. We don't want them interrupting our speaker. My name is Keith McLaughlin, and I will be the moderator for this session. I'll remind you that this session is being recorded and broadcasting live on CKXU-FM 88.3. Another reminder just to make sure that you put your $11 for the lunch in your basket that's seated at your table. Um, SACMA is a volunteer nonprofit organization that's actually in 48 seasons and it survives on the contributions of its members and sessions that many help cover its expenses. Um, memberships can be purchased via Annalise, who is right there. At this point in time, I'd just like to quickly thank our partners, the University of Lethbridge, for their support and Thank you. 
Uh, it is truly uh, great to be here again. I was just thinking on the way here about the last time that I was here, and uh, it's been more than three years, in fact, since I spoke to the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. And it's really hard to believe all of the things that have happened in this province and, frankly, in, this, in politics since I was here in 2011. Alison Redford was elected leader of the PCs, won a general election, lost the support of Albertans and her caucus, lost her job. Dave Hancock took, o- play, took her place over the summer. Jim Prentice won the leadership. Dave Hancock resigned his seat. And just for anyone who's counting, that means this province has had four premiers in the three years since I was last here. And with much less uh, change three weeks ago, as was mentioned, I was also elected as leader of the Alberta New Democrats. So we've had a lot of change. But I really believe part of that change is happening because at their hearts, in their hearts, Albertans are ready for a different kind of politics. A politics based on caring, a politics based on ensuring that the prosperity of this province means prosperity for all Albertans. Throughout my campaign for leader, I talked about Alberta, this province that I'm proud to call home, and about a vision for a better future for seniors, for kids, for families. Alberta is changing. It's a modern, diverse, vibrant place with modern, diverse, vibrant communities and cities. Lethbridge is one of those cities. And every time I'm here, I'm struck by the natural beauty of this part of our province and the engaged people who are committed to making Lethbridge and Alberta and Canada a better place. We can see the strength of Lethbridge's progressive community in the work that was done by many people in this room to stop Golden Key's urban drilling project last year. While your PCMLAs here in Lethbridge avoided this issue as much as they could, Lethbridge organized, and you were strong, and you were persistent, and you won, and eventually Golden Key dropped their application to drill within Lethbridge city limits. Here in Lethbridge, I'm confident in the next election that the New Democrats can elect Shannon Phillips in Lethbridge West. And frankly, we're looking forward to running a strong campaign with one of the four candidates who are currently putting their names forward for the nomination in Lethbridge East. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the next election, but you know, I just got elected leader, so you're going to have to forgive me. It might feature in my conversation just a bit. I'm sure, but I I just want to say that I think there are a lot of reasons why people in Alberta might want to consider giving the NDP your support and their support in the next election. Firstly, we've been working hard to put forward proposals to strengthen communities and to stand up against PC attempts to weaken the programs and the services that you count on. For example, and this is something that I'm very, very proud of, last spring, we led the fight within the legislature to protect the stability and the security of public sector pensions. We stayed up late many nights advocating against PC's short-sighted and hurtful attempts to gouge public sector pensions in this province. And finally, in the waning days of the spring session, they did back down. 
And we're proud of the work that we did to protect Albertans' pensions because we actually believe that people who have worked hard throughout their lives should be able to afford to retire with dignity. And we also know that communities across the province, communities like Lethbridge, would have been weakened if retired Albertans were left to live in poverty. So we know that that victory was not only important for public sector workers, past, current, and future, but it was also a victory for their families, for their friends, for their neighbours, and for the communities within which they live. The NDP stood against those proposed changes clearly and without hesitation because we knew and we know that standing up for regular Albertans is what makes our province stronger. Now, I also hope that people who are looking for a strong, progressive voice will see support for our party or will consider support for our party because they see that we are best equipped to ensure the greatest growth going forward. Whether it's our growing list of high-profile and high-caliber candidates already nominated and already campaigning, whether it's the growing support demonstrated through our increasingly successful fundraising, it's a little uh, fun fact that I like to use. In my leadership race, I actually had more donors than Jim Prentice. Uh, the downside was that they were human beings, not corporations, and they were kind of focused on putting roofs over their head and food on their table, so they didn't all give $30,000 a pop. Okay, maybe none of them did, but nonetheless, there were more of them than uh, Mr. Prentice enjoyed. And indeed, our fundraising base as a whole has grown to twice that of either of the other so-called progressive parties combined. And that's even considering that I only donate to my party once as an individual, not as a corporation. Anyway, all of that adds up to the fact that we are stronger than we have been in decades. And this is the really important part. Under my leadership, I am enhancing and amplifying our call to all progressive Albertans to join our team to bring a fairer, more responsive, more caring, more forward-looking government into our legislature in, Albert in Edmonton. And the fact of the matter is more and more people are starting to listen. During our leadership race, I was forced uh, into sort of injecting a little bit more self-promotion than I'm normally used to into my comments. So I've become a little bit obnoxious now in terms of talking about the fact, and I guess someone did mention, or Keith mentioned it in my introduction, that uh, I did receive the highest percentage vote of any MLA of any party anywhere in the province in the last election. So I did a lot of self-promotion on that one. It's what you've got to do when you're running for leader. However, that being said, I have to be honest because uh, that was actually a very close race and the person who was 1% behind me in that race was our former Premier, Dave Hancock, in Edmonton White Mud. So that is, of course, why he was asked to step aside so that uh, Mr. Prentice could be sure that his newly appointed developer, I mean health minister, uh, would win his seat. And no question, he did win that seat. And we didn't win that seat. However, we did move from a distant fourth place to a very strong second, almost tripling our percentage of the vote and scoring the best result in that seat in Edmonton than our party has ever received in the history of our party. So, to be clear, the Tories may have won that seat, but in so doing, they lost 20 points in popular support 
dropping from 62% of the vote to 40. So even in the wealthiest riding in Edmonton, people are listening to us. They're starting to listen to us. And we see that excitement growing across the province. Now, here in Lethbridge, as I said, we don't need to come in a strong second. I believe that we can win. And I hope that you'll give our great candidates your consideration. Because whether you're normally a conservative voter, a liberal voter, or a non-voter, I doubt there are very, very many of those in this room, but nonetheless, I'd like to invite you to give us your vote next time to get an MLA for Lethbridge who will actually stand up for Lethbridge and get results for your community. In short, Lethbridge, like Alberta, is a modern, forward-looking, vibrant place. And it's time for people in Lethbridge to be able to say that about their representative in the legislature, too. So I want to talk a little bit about Alberta and how it's changing. It's time, I think, that uh, it, Alberta really is changing. And it's a time that we can make sure that the great prosperity of this province filters throughout our society so that all Albertans can live here with dignity. Communities across this province are changing. The stereotypes we all hear about our province just aren't true anymore. I believe the values of Albertans and the expectations of Albertans have of their government have moved beyond the tired old notions of the tired old conservative parties. And you'll note that I mention two parties when I talk about conservative parties because that's what we've got right now. I believe that we can see those changes, those changed expectations that people have in this province in the results of the last provincial election. Now, I don't know if you remember, but there was a great deal of excitement that many Albertans felt when Alison Redford was elected as leader of the long-reigning PCs. Many Albertans felt hopeful that under Redford, this province would finally have a government that cared about making things better for families, for kids, and for seniors. So not long after Ms. Redford won the leadership, there was an election, and it was an election that the PCs won. And they did it by promising the kinds of things that Albertans in our modern, diverse, vibrant communities are looking for from their communities. Let's just take a quick look at some of the promises from that election. They promised to eliminate child poverty in five years and to eliminate all poverty in the province in 10 years. They promised to build and staff 100 family care clinics to improve, or sorry, 140 family care clinics to improve access to frontline health care for Albertans across the province. They promised to build 1,000 new long-term care spaces for seniors every year over five years. They promised to build 50 schools and modernize 70. They promised a bursary program to encourage more rural and indigenous students to attend university. They promised stable, predictable funding increases of at least 2% a year for each year for our K-12 education system. They promised full-day kindergarten. The one thing they didn't actually promise to protect was our air and our land and our water. Of that, Ms. Redford was noticeably silent. And on that one, the PCs have been true to their word. We have the most abysmal environmental record in the country. But let's just review their record on the rest of their promises. Eliminating child poverty, eliminating poverty altogether in 10 years, 
Well, since that election, they've cut many of the services that families living in poverty depend on. They continue to fail to take meaningful action to ensure that we have affordable housing and a living wage. No child in this wealthy province should be going to school hungry, yet 20% of children in this province do every day. Building 140 family care clinics? Well, they built eight. Not very well. And then they shelved the whole project. Meanwhile, hundreds of thousands of Albertans still don't have access to a family doctor. Building 1,000 new long-term care spaces a year for five years? Well, they've already admitted that yet again they won't keep that promise. It's much too expensive to find a place for an aging parent or grandparent to live and almost impossible to have confidence that they are receiving the level of care that they need when they are there. Here in Lethbridge, the government has not only failed to, failed to build and staff new spaces, they've actually closed long-term care in favor of what they like to call continuing care. We call it, quote, continuing to cost you more for less care, end quote. So now some of you might be thinking, well, didn't the PCs just make some announcement about investing in long-term care? Well, kind of they did. Jim Prentice and his developer magnate health minister announced that they'd actually try to use the money that's already in the budget to build the spaces that the government already promised to build. And while the Redford administration had promised 5,000 beds, the Prentice PCs seemed to think that 1,800 over the next four years is enough. And somehow, they actually think we should throw a party for them because they might move forward on one-third of the promise that they made sometime down the road. And what about their promise to build 50 schools and modernize 70 in the next election? Well, let's just look at three schools that Lethbridge was promised. Not a single project has a shovel in the ground. Lethbridge is growing. Why does it take three years to get past promising a school to actually start building something? And why in a province as wealthy as ours has this government neglected to build schools with a rapidly growing population? You know, many people like to talk about the, the Klein record and the, the history of Klein and how one of the great things that Klein did was he eliminated our debt. But I think we, many of us here in this room, understand and more and more Albertans understand every year that Klein didn't eliminate our debt. He simply hid our debt. And he hid it in places where there should be schools, but there aren't. He hid it where there should be long-term care beds, but there aren't. He hid it where there should be hospitals, where we don't have to worry about ceiling tiles falling down into the middle of an operating room in the middle of a surgery. That's where he hid the debt. So to be clear, we get rid of our debt when we have an honest conversation about what our debt is and what we need and the different ways that we can address that problem. We don't get rid of our debt by hiding it and then hoping that nobody notices 15 years that all we actually did was we put it on to the next generation. So now, throughout the province, we're in urgent need of an infrastructure investment to ensure that students are learning in a safe, clean environment. Galbraith School, as just one example, in many, has more than $3 million in deferred maintenance. And so two years after Ms. Redford won an election on promises that spoke to many people in this province and in this room, I'm sure, about the kind of Alberta that we wanted, we find ourselves back in a very similar situation. We have a brand new premier making a lot of promises. And even as we begin 
we hear those provinces, those promises even as we begin to face the often repeated specter of dropping oil prices. Well, my friends, we all know how this story goes. We've all seen this story before. I'm reminded, and I think in this crowd I can use this, this um, analogy, but I'm reminding, reminded of that constant uh, picture of Lucy holding the football and Charlie Brown lining up, getting ready to kick the football. And every time that he runs to kick the football, Lucy pulls the football away and he falls. And, you, and for years, many of us in this room read those comments and we watched Charlie Brown take a swing at the football. And you kept saying, Charlie, come on, she's going to pull it away. Don't believe her. Don't, don't put yourself through this again. And that's kind of my call to Albertans. We've been through this story before. We don't need Lucy at the helm of our government. So here we are, once again, making expensive promises to try and win back the support of Albertans, or that's what the Tories are doing. But once again, they won't be able to keep those promises because they just won't take the necessary leadership that we need to have the revenue that we need to build schools, maintain hospitals, and invest in communities. A reliable, responsible government committed to serving the public interest, not private interest, would reverse the Klein-era cuts to taxes that have left our government and our province so totally dependent on the price of oils to provide the services to Albertans that we have entrusted to them to provide. Their continuing failure to take our revenue structure seriously is simply making things harder and harder for families throughout this province. Now, many of you probably know these stats, but I'm going to run them by you anyway. But according to Public Interest Alberta, if if Alberta moderately increased taxes on 5% of our population and marginally increased on corporations with more than 50 employees, we would have already brought in over $1.2 billion just in this fiscal year just so far in this year. And we would still have the lowest taxes in Canada overall. Now, our current regime only benefits the very wealthy. A middle-class Albertan, it's kind of borderline calling this middle-class, but nonetheless, with a taxable income of $70,000, pays over $1,400 a year more than a BC resident and almost 1000 more than someone who lives in Ontario. Meanwhile... An Albertan who makes a million dollars a year pays $41,000 a year less than someone who lives in BC and $75,000 a year less than someone who lives in Ontario. Now, does that seem fair to you? Is that an Alberta advantage to you? I don't think so. Is it any surprise that our tax structures disadvantage lower-income families, and as we do that, inequality in this province continues to grow day in and day out? Food bank usage in Alberta is increasing at a rate almost double the rate of the rest of the country. Since 2008, there's been an overall almost 50% increase in food bank usage here in Alberta, at a time when food bank usage is leveling off or decreasing in other parts of the country. And just uh, earlier this month, many of you probably know, Lethbridge Herald reported that the growth in food bank usage is far more noticeable here in Lethbridge than it is in the rest of Alberta. Meanwhile, minimum wage has totally failed to keep up with the cost of living in this province, leaving behind hundreds of thousands 
of families or of Albertans. Now, just, you know, the government likes to say, yeah, well, you know, that's just somebody working for pin money. That's an entitled 16-year-old kid that's, you know, trying to save up to buy themselves an iPod. That's the only person, or maybe it's an iPhone now, kind of behind the times. But anyway, that's the only person that uh, is making minimum wage. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that 77% of Albertans who are earning minimum wage are older than 25, and 61% of them are women many of whom are the heads of families, single families. The prosperity of this province means that all of the necessities of life here are more expensive, even here in Lethbridge. So why isn't our government doing more to ensure that Albertans can afford to live here with dignity in this province? We need to seriously look at changing our revenue structures. And the other thing that we need to look at is reviewing the amount of royalties that we receive as owners of the resources. Now, we could go on about this for a very, very long time, but let me just make two points. In 2009, the government came up with a drilling incentive program that they claimed would cost about a billion dollars. Subsequently, it turned out that it cost Albertans $3 billion. $3 billion. How many schools could we build for $3 billion? So it cost us $3 billion over three years, a 300% overrun in drilling incentives. And meanwhile, the Auditor General turned around and said, well, A, there's no evidence to show that actually increased drilling at all. And B, we didn't actually track where the money went. So we went over by 300%. We didn't, don't know how well it worked, and we're not exactly sure who got the money. Does that sound like good governance to you? Does that sound like someone you need to keep elected because otherwise we'll all lose our jobs? I don't think so. That just sounds like sloppy, sloppy leadership. And then if you combine that with the fact that currently at this point, our royalty rates are competitive. They are. They're very competitive with Angola. My friends, why do we need to compete with Angola? I don't think we do. I look around here, I look around Lethbridge, I think we have a lot to offer above and beyond what Angola has to offer in other elements of what is in our community, and I don't think we need to remain competitive with Angola when it comes to our royalty rates. And I think that in doing that, we let down generations and generations and generations of Albertans to come. So what we need to do is is change that, and if we could do that, we could make this province better. We could seriously work to eliminate child poverty. For instance, we could introduce a school nutrition program to ensure that all children in this province start school with a full stomach. During my leadership campaign, I put forward a proposal that would have made us the most generous province in the country. And just to be clear, we are the least generous province in the country. We are the only province in the country that puts no money towards school nutrition programs. But I propose that we should become the most generous because just go back to that $3 billion, that $2 billion overrun in drilling incentives that we hadn't planned on just a couple years ago. It would cost us $60 million to ensure that every child in Alberta going to school hungry gets breakfast in the morning. And study after study after study shows that that child will do hugely better in school that day and for the days following and throughout their life. So why can't we do something like that in this province?
Instead of continuing to underfund long-term care, we could actually properly invest in building and operating the spaces that Alberta's seniors need. As many of you probably know, we spend well below the national average when it comes to long-term care for seniors. That means that our health care system as a whole suffers. We need to stop downloading seniors' care onto our families. The only people who benefit from this very intentional, very well-planned, very thought-out strategy by this PC government are insurance companies and the occasional developer. You may see a theme in terms of developers in the PC party right now, but anyway, that's who benefits. Alberta families simply do not. Now, I fundamentally believe that healthcare shouldn't be a cash cow. It should be publicly funded and publicly delivered. I also believe that the same of education. It should be fully publicly funded. We should not be publicly funding private education. But what we should be doing is ensuring that our public education has enough funds to ensure our class sizes are appropriate, the class composition is appropriate, kids with diverse learning needs get the education that they need, and that they all do that in a building that's not falling apart around them or that is not an hour and a half commute away from where they live. These are not big demands, folks. This is simply good governance. I also believe that we need to address environmental issues. We need to phase out coal. We need to keep our water clean. And we need to establish genuine standards of protection, standards that are enforced in a way that earn the public trust of Albertans. And finally, and I haven't talked much about this yet, but because I'm running out of time, I think, I just want to say that I also believe that in Alberta, and I really believe truly, because I've been all across this province for the last seven or eight months talking to people from every corner of this province, I believe almost every Albertan wants a province that embraces and celebrates diversity in our public institutions in our schools that will not exclude people or give people the excuse to exclude people based on any kind of ground of discrimination, including, at the same level, sexual orientation. This is something that I believe all Albertans, almost all Albertans, are on side with. And it's time that this government joins with the rest of Albertans on this fundamental issue of human rights and basic justice. I believe that this is the kind of change that Alberta is ready for. Now, we have a premier who's done this little thing where I think about, I don't know, if you'd had a drinking game that you were playing while watching his first few speeches, and maybe I'm just the only nerd in the room that would A, watch his first few speeches, or B, accompany it with the drinking game. However, if you were to do that, you would have found yourself rather tipsy uh, if you had uh, identified the word new management. Because, of course, his big adage is, we're under new management. We're under new management. Everything's changed. Everything's different. But here's my message to Mr. Prentice. 57, no, 56 of the 60 MLAs that he has in his caucus right now were not elected under his new management. They were elected on the mandate 
and those promises that I just outlined. So if he wants Albertans to believe that he is not continuing the tradition of making and breaking promises in an increasingly cynical and hurtful way that is is, uh, apparently acceptable only in this province, then he needs to go back to those promises that I just outlined, and he needs to keep those promises. And if he doesn't, we will be there in the legislature to keep him accountable. And we will make it very clear that the new management lingo, although it may be great for a drinking game, means nothing to Albertans because they've had it with that football being pulled away from them. And they are looking for genuine change. It is time for genuine change in this province, my friends. It is time to replace this old, tired government with one that truly believes that the public interest does not serve their friends and cast of characters who are insiders, but rather that it is their job to completely and fully with dedication, integrity, transparency, serve the public interest of this province. We have not had that for a long time, but it is time for us to have that again. So thank you very, very much for letting me come and speak to you today. And uh, I'd be very happy to take questions. I don't know if that's the way it goes. Or we do that after. And then we have dinner. Okay, cool. Well, thank you very much. (laughs)